Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. There we go. How are you guys doing this morning? Let's try that again. Blessed. Good. The sun's shining. I mean, that a, a, makes for a great day already, I believe. What a fall that we've had uh, around here. It's a good day. Uh, man, uh, we're so glad that you're here with us again today. Uh, it's part of the family of God and the joys and in the difficult seasons. Uh, it helps us to, to be on mission and to carry out what the Lord has called us to here at NAPNAS, to, to help equip you and others into making their next steps in the relationship with Jesus. Today, we get to experience, I believe, all of the beauty of the Lord and our values here. We worship together this morning. We connect with one another this morning. We serve one another this morning because that's what Christ has done for us. Some of the ways we do this are through some activities in the church. And so uh, many of you uh, have students or are part of our Upwards program. Uh, We need some coaches, I've been told. So maybe you just need to pray about that this morning. And maybe some of you just need told we need you. All right. So let's just go there. If you're considering or if you have some time to give, uh, please consider coaching. Can I, my, I think Brittany would tell you, you don't have to know a lot about the game of basketball to invest in the lives of children and coach upward sports. Uh, she coached that out of Hardin County for the last several years. It's just a joy to get to be in the life of other children. So please prayerfully consider helping out in that way. We also desire that you become a part of our family here. By that, you get to know more about God's story for you, the story of NAPNAS, and how we share in this together. One of the ways we've been doing that is known as Growth Track, and you can visit our website. Uh, Growth Track is something we hope that you'll sign up for. It's the first three Sundays and first three Wednesdays of the month. In that, you can come, you can learn more about God's design for you and what that means more about NAPNAS and the Church of the Nazarene, as well as learning more about yourself through the gifts and abilities or talents that God's given you and how we share in those together. So we hope that you'll visit our website, that's napnaz.church, and go ahead and find those links and sign up and join us. Also, this weekend is a is an important weekend, I believe, in the life of the United States of America. It's a day that a weekend that we've set aside to honor veterans, those who have served. And I'd like to take a moment um, to just have you stand. If, if you have served in any of our armed forces, would you please stand this morning just for a moment? Just take a minute. Yeah, please keep, yes. Can we give them a hand? And I want you to keep standing just for a second. Yeah. Can we take a moment just to pray a blessing over you as you stand? Just a moment. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for those that have served and those that are currently serving. Lord, thank you for the sacrifices that they made so that we can enjoy the freedoms, Lord, that we experienced this morning to worship you freely. Lord, for that, my heart is grateful. And we are thankful for those that have served and been willing to lay down their life for the sake of another. We love you, Lord. Bless them today as we honor them. Thank you. You may be seated. So uh, if you've been here last week or if you're coming in this week, we are in a series on generosity. That's a great thing to think about, isn't it? And some of you that have come in today, you're like, generosity, oh no, they're going to talk to me about money, right? You're already like, I come to church and all they talk about is wanting my money. 
Ben said last week, you're going to wish all we wanted was your money. Because when we talk about generosity, it goes much further and much more holistic than only your money. It's included in that, and we'll get to that. We gave Justin the task of that. You get to hear Ben and I talk about some other areas that we believe the Lord has called us into generous living. And last week, Ben talked about generosity that went beyond money, and, and that being the heart of all that we possess. That includes our money, but also our time, doesn't it? How are we being generous with our time? How are we being generous in our relationships with others? How are we being generous with the abilities that God has given to us? How are we being generous with our possessions? How are we being generous with our knowledge? We could go on and on about how we're being generous with all that the Lord has given to us. Last week, Ben talked about radical generosity and forgiveness. And please, if you were not here last week, please jump back on our website or on our YouTube channel, podcast, and listen to the word of God that he might help us to forgive as he's forgiven us. I hope that you'll go back if you weren't here and and listen to that. Generosity. I want to define it as this kind of moving forward this morning. That is giving something knowing it can't be repaid. Talk about that more later. Generosity is giving, knowing that it can't be repaid. So today we look at another part of holistic generosity. Generosity will always cost you something while also asking for nothing in return. And so today we want to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. I invite you to your Bibles, your phones, your tablets. If you would turn to the word of God in Luke 14, I would invite you to to read this text over in its fullness this week. That's verses 1 through 24. Uh, We're going to begin in verse 7, but let me just catch us up with where they're at in verses 1 through 6. So Jesus had been invited into the home of one of the religious leaders of that day in verses 1 through 6. And and it was invited to eat a meal. That sounds pretty good, right? Like, I love having fellowship over meals. This was a common place. I heard an amen. That's so great. I love that. Uh, yesterday, I got to go to the Blue Ribbon Diner in Wasion. It was fantastic. Best egg omelet I've had in a while. But better was the conversation, right? That's what Jesus is doing. It's what was happening in culture. And, and so in that, though, it was a common place of exchange, And so you were invited to a meal then because you had something to offer to the host. So you didn't get invited if you didn't have value, if you didn't have something that perhaps uh, they would want. So Jesus was invited. And during the meal, he did something, just not directly for the host. And in fact, it kind of angered the host in verses 1 through 6, we're told. It angered them because it happened to be the Sabbath day. And I think they set Jesus up. They invited a man that had an illness, like a fluid illness, where it caused him probably some issues walking. And the man was there, and Jesus felt compassion on this man on the Sabbath. And and what did he do? He healed him. Well, that was a problem for the religious leaders, because they saw this as an act of work. And, whoa, you don't do that on the Sabbath. And and man, Jesus goes in and kind of just levels them to the point where they just stop asking questions (laughs) and Jesus then begins to teach 
an opportunity here that Jesus takes, and you heard me weeks ago, that, that almost always, if not always, Jesus looks to connect before he corrects. But I don't want you to miss something here because Jesus does correct, okay? He connected with his people, and now he's going to correct some really bad theology about generous compassion, right? And even more so today, then, we want to talk about generous hospitality. Hospitality towards others. Now, quickly, I want to talk about American hospitality versus Christian hospitality, because they're not the same. I think in America, we think about hospitality. Uh, Tim Keller said we, we like to think of like Martha Stewart hospitality, right? You set out all the fine stuff. You, you do all the great things. So when guests come, they're entertained. We are much more driven in America as entertainers being hospitable rather than simply providing what I would contend is Christian hospitality. And here's how I'd like to, to define that for us this morning, okay? Are you ready? I think we have this on the screen. Christian hospitality is welcoming people into your living space, treating strangers as family, so God can turn some of them into family. All right, can I say that again? Christian hospitality. Welcoming people into your living space, treating strangers as family, so God can turn some of them into friends or family. Like, you know, this isn't a Verizon exclusive thing of friends and family network, all right? Christian hospitality. Would you read along with me Luke 14? We want to begin in verse 7 today, and we're going to read the first section here through verse 11. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, this is Jesus talking here, he told them this parable or, or a story. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, hey, give this person your seat. And then, humiliated, you will have to then take the seat that is least important in place. He says, but rather, when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus begins by speaking to the guests, or those that might be in what we'll call the inner circle. All right? Those that are in the home, the inner circle of people. And he begins by using a, a form or a type of speech here I would call a truism. A truism is simply stating the obvious, okay? And, and so it expresses an idea by stating something the people already know to be common in practice. So, so Jesus, when we read this, wasn't expressing some new truth about having a seat at the table. It was something they knew from their earliest age. So we have a little five-year-old. Her name's Nora. And, and since she's been able to talk, every time we're in the car, usually a conversation starts like this. Uh, can I have a snack? We just left. And so our response usually is, yes. And you say, may I please have a snack? In which we say, yes. And you say, 
thank you. Like we have to prompt all these things, right? So that someday, hopefully, the goal is that, that Nora consistently understands that we need to ask politely for something. May I please? And then when she receives, the appropriate response is, thank you. It's common in our culture today. When you ask for something, hopefully you know to say please and thank you. In the culture that we see uh, in the text today, the culture knew this statement to be true, something they grew up understanding. They know the proper way to come into a home. They knew the proper way was not to come and assume a place of honor, but rather to assume a lowly place in hopes that you would be elevated rather than humiliated. Jesus is telling them something they already knew. Yet uses it to make a beautiful point in verse 11, doesn't he? Listen again to the word of the Lord. For all those who exalt themselves and help me here will be humble. Let's try that again. Uh, just, just work with me here, all right? For all those who exalt themselves will be, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Thank you. That's, if we're being honest, that's really hard for us, I believe, as Americans, because it's ingrained within us something totally different. I mean, think about it just as I was growing up, I've been told, man, you don't get to the top by humility. You don't get to be the CEO by becoming last. You, you get there, or at least we're told often here, by hard work, right? You just work hard. By dedication, right? By determination and grit. You want to get to the top, you just go there. And oh yeah, maybe the most important thing, it's who you know. Right? Like, like, I mean, let's be honest, some of us have worked our tails off. Sometimes it's just who you know. In Jesus' day, it wasn't any different. That's why they were invited to the inner table. It was about who you knew and getting closer to those people. Because you see, one would want to be closest to the host because that's how you made it. That's how you got what you were looking for. That's how you got things done. That was known as the patronage system. I only come after it's beneficial mutually for us. We call that networking, right? Networking, your circle of networking, how you do this. The truth, though, is this. The inner circle of relationships is most often in American culture what you get in exchange, isn't it? Like, I don't want to invest in somebody if I don't get something in return. So in this culture, one was invited to a home based on what they had to give in hopes they might get something else out of it. We do this too, right? Like, before you go, oh, we blow it. Let me tell you about my failures in this, right? So Brittany and I have been married 15 years. Sorry for that. I remember early on in, in marriage, don't worry, I'm not digging a hole this week, all right? I've already been buried in that one over and over again. Early in marriage, uh, I remember she was gone for a day, and I thought, man, there was a football game that night. I really liked to go to the football game. I hadn't asked her yet, not that I, you know, would. I thought, well, I'm just going to do some really nice things around the house. I'm going to clean up. I'm going to dust. 
vacuum. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to take the trash out. Like, I'm just going to get this done in hopes that I, what, got something in return. Tell me you've never, husbands, look me in the eyes and tell me you've never done that. You're lying right now. Tell it. It's, it's kind of, the, it's the way we often operate. And here's typically what happens. When we don't get then what we feel we deserve, we get upset, don't we? Generous hospitality, what we're going to find today, I believe, is it's always about what we can give rather than what we get. So as guests, Jesus is going to help us understand, we, we come not to gain friends. We come not to get a free meal or hopes of economic gain. We come simply to serve. We move into relationships, not caring about what a relationship has to offer us. Simply serve. So generous hospitality assumes the lowest seat at the table, and in doing so, one will find honor. Lowest will become. This is also, I believe, we see a beautiful metaphor, don't we, in this? The kingdom of God and his hospitality towards us. That God is host. If we come in humility in order that we might be elevated to a place of honor by the host, Matthew 20, 16, Jesus says again, so the last will be first and the first will be last. That he models this for us in his kingdom by sending his son Jesus that we might have life. That he would come lowly, Elevated to a place of honor. Generous hospitality seeks nothing in return. The text then moves us from the inner circle to the open home. All right, can we go there for a moment? Moves us from the inner circle to the open home. 12 through 14. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, or even your relatives, or your rich neighbors. That's great, isn't it? Don't you love that you included that? If you do, they may invite you back, so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I want to look at this idea then of an open home. So we move from the inner circle to the open home. And here he moves from a truism, a true statement, to what I think is an idiomatic expression. Not idiot, idiomatic, all right? An idiomatic expression is a a type of informal language that has a meaning different from the meaning expressed. Let me share with you. So we have this wonderful lab, lab golden retriever mix. Her name's Sam. Sam is white, and she's a great dog. And we were at home, and there was an event going on at the church, and I let Sam out, and somehow I had Nora. She was young. She was screaming and crying over something. Sam needed out. I've got Nora. All of a sudden, I look at Sam wasn't coming back, so I go outside and look, and here is Sam rolling in something. I'm yelling at I mean, I am yelling. Sam! Get over here. And, and meanwhile, there's people at the church, right? Because we were in a park right across. So they're hearing their pastor yelling at their dog. But I wasn't thinking about that at the moment. Sam, get here. 
now. Over here now, or I'm going to kill you. Right? Now, if you're hearing that for the first, like, oh my goodness, I'm never coming back to this church again. But most people know, I'm not going to kill my dog, right? I'm using it as an idiomatic expression, a way to bring emphasis to say, I am ticked, right? So much so, oh. Sam came back and she had rolled in something of death, all right? A whole nother story. It was awful. Jesus uses this form of expression in Luke 14, later in verse 26, right? He says, if anyone comes to me and does not, and, and listen to his language here, hate. I thought you, you weren't supposed to hate anyone. Well, Jesus knows that. Well, let me go on. It, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife or children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. You really mean I'm supposed to hate my wife? The hole just went 12 feet, right? Like, clearly, I think we can look at this and go, that is, is not what Jesus is saying. And, and the first basic rule of, like, biblical interpretation is you use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And so if we go back, we can know that Jesus isn't telling us to hate because we find what Jesus calls us to, to be a people of love and, and accepting others and inviting them into your table, right? To love our wives as Christ loves the church. I mean, we just go, honor your father and mother. But what he's saying here through this expression is, is communicating the seriousness of genuine hospitality, of generous hospitality. Inviting people in that have nothing to offer. That is, telling us that our love and devotion to him must be so much higher than that of our family that it could look like hate. That our love for other people by being generous to the strangers and those around should be so much higher. It may look like we care for them more than we even do our own family. Generous hospitality, remember, seeks nothing in return. I believe Christians, those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, are called to practice this. It's not simply a gift he gives to some and the rest of us get a pass. He calls us to be people of generous hospitality. Welcoming people into your living space, treating strangers as family so God can turn some of them I want to talk just as we kind of wrap things today, the way we do this in three ways. First, it welcomes people into your living space. That's hard to do in today's culture, isn't it? But we welcome people into our living space, our home, a, a place of shelter when it's storming outside, right? Like hopefully you're not getting soaked and drenched by the torrential downpours or eventually as the snow starts falling in, right? Place of shelter from the stormy blast, a place where we recharge, a, a place of rest, a place of warmth, or in the summertime, a place of coolness, a place where we eat and nourish our bodies, a, a place maybe for some of order, or if you have kids, a place of chaos, a place of beauty. Some of you I know don't know me well, but you will find I am a home person. I love home. I like to vacate, but I can't wait to get there's something about home that I've always 
loved. I, I grew up this way. My mother's place was always a place of rest, always a place of warmth, always a place with good food, always a place of joy, of laughters, of tears, and vulnerability. I believe that was transferred in some regard to Brittany and I, Brittany's home motto, and, and I just come alongside for this, and so hear it for what it is, is when you come to our home, you will hear her say, come naked and unashamed. Yep, that's true, right? And everybody goes, what? Like, okay, let us communicate what we mean by this. It's simply to communicate, come as you are. That's our, that's our hope. You ever come to the Dooley household, you don't have to come anything other than you, as you are. Hurts, hangups, tears, laughter, whatever it is, come as you are. See, generous hospitality in the church or as Christians invites others into our living space, and it goes counterculture today. I heard somebody say years ago, we have become back porch people instead of front porch people, right? Like we have our own little silos in the backyard that's completely away from everybody else. Just 30 years ago, we were front porch culture. You sit out there, you just spy on what the neighbors are doing. And if somebody happened to drive by, guess what they were going to do? They're going to stop. <laughs> and you might just feed them or talk to them for the next two hours. And often I find in our own life and maybe in yours, we, we begin to make excuses as to why we don't invite people into our lives. Maybe you feel like your life is too messy and others just don't want to be a part of it. Maybe you feel like the house is just never picked up and man, it's just not very peaceful. Maybe, maybe you feel like it's just chaotic and who would want to be a part of this? Maybe you feel like it's not what other people have. You ever been into a home where you just have like home envy? I've walked into those spaces. I go in and go, oh, if I had a home like this. And we are tempted to then believe that somehow what we have isn't enough. God, choose somebody else to do this. Listen, today, when we talk about generous hospitality, the word of God is going to tell us to stop making excuses and start inviting people. And I'm an introvert, but stop. But the house isn't picked, stop. But I don't have anything to off, stop. Nobody's going to want to cut, stop. The kids are off the charts, stop. Generous hospitality always is going to invite people into your space. I told you, my mother modeled this better than anybody I've ever met. If she knew I was talking about her today, she'd be, well, she'd be a little bit, I may be in the doghouse for this one, but she's modeled this well, and here's why. After my dad passed away, we, we took some years to find a house, and we were in a really small square footage house. It's one of the cheapest homes, I would say, of many of my friends. And I'll never forget. It was the place where everyone congregated. It was the place everybody came to eat. It was the place where people could come out. I, I walked in one day, my buddy Greg was just zonked out on the couch. I wasn't even there. Place of rest, food, joy, laughter. I'll, I'll never forget, my mom wouldn't eat a meal so she could feed all the friends that were It was a place of prayer, a place of grace. It's a place of transformation. She would invite strangers in. Who are strangers? Well, we're all strange, all right? Just look around you. Uh, I'll take chief of among them all. 
invite strangers in, people that you may not know. That includes other Christians. That includes our neighbors and those around us. That includes needy people. In Hebrew, the Bible tells us in chapter 13, verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, to the people that are around you. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Some may be turned to friends and family. And I just want to close with this, and I'm going to have Sarah come. We're, we're going to have to bypass, right, the last section here. It's just where we need to go today. But here's the, the crux of this, all right? My mom invited a student 20 years ago or so. He came from Slidell, Louisiana. He was 15 or so, maybe. Grew up in a, a pretty serious cult in Slidell where there was quite a bit of abuse of all kinds. My mom shook his hand when he came to be a student, and she said, my hand was soaked in sweat. He was so nervous. She knew as a teacher it probably wasn't super appropriate to invite a young man over to your home, even though she was old enough to be his grandmother. She said, hey, I want you to meet my son. Isn't it just like moms to wrap their kids up into something they started? I think you'd really enjoy being around him. So she did and invited us into her home, a stranger, a student with no real family to call his own. Remember, if you know me well, I'm not usually uh, conversations or not a struggle for me. I remember the first time I picked up this young man, I ran out of things to say. So shy, so timid, didn't know who to trust, didn't know what a family really looked like. I remember the next time I... Uh, came up with a list of questions that I knew I could exhaust in the 15 minutes from where I picked him up to my house. Invited him into our space, strangers. That would go on and this young man would begin coming to church and to youth group. He'd end up through his life when he was Again, going to college, he lived with me for a season. Lived with my mother for a season. Allie Smith School of Music in Minnesota on his own. Nobody thought he'd ever go to college. I don't, I don't even think people expected him to graduate high school. He is my brother today. I asked him if I could share this, and he's got a much deeper story. Been attending here for long. Maybe you've seen a young man playing bass guitar here. His name's Tim, or as we like to call him, Timmy. Strangers in. The hopes that some maybe become family, become part of something even greater than home family, but become part of the kingdom of God. 
calling Jesus. It's calling us. We're going to be his disciples. That of generosity. It will cost you something. Can I tell you, generosity and hospitality ain't cheap. I would encourage you today to respond to that in some way. Right? Somebody sitting around you that may be strange. <laughs> Stranger, right? Please don't look at them and go, you're strange. Why don't you come to my house? Perhaps the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today to stop being isolated and stop hoping somebody else will do it. Say, no, 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 this is yours. That's what it means to me. That's what I've done. See, I don't believe we can participate in communion today if we're not willing to do this. Because it's exactly what he invites us into today. That's why we're having communion second week here. Jesus generally as host invites us in, doesn't he? Strangers. Some of us maybe even not to the faith yet. And he's saying, hey, you're, you're welcome. My table's for you. I've invited you. You get to choose whether you participate or not. I encourage you this morning, if you're willing to participate in this today, his radical generosity that invited you to his table to make you part of the family of God. You know that when we're saved, we are justified, we are made new, and we are adopted into the family of God, that we're brothers and sisters, that I can share with you about 10 being my brother, but I can look out amongst all of you and go, man, I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God today. You all my brothers and sisters, and we're a crazy family, aren't we? It's a joyful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And he's going to ask us to go and do for others what he's done for us, right? True? True? Please shake your head yes. That's biblical. That's not just dual. And so as we participate today, I pray that as he speaks and fills your heart through his body that sustains you, through his blood that forgives you, that welcomes us to the table and into the kingdom of God forever and ever, that we would be willing to ask him to then help us to go show generous hospitality like he has for us. You pray for one person. Can we start small? One person. One person this week that perhaps you just need to invite into your home and your space. Come as they are. And maybe some of them that you invite might become some. Maybe some of them might be part of the family of God. You never know until you do it. Do you? And listen, some of you aren't home people. We got invited just a, a few weeks back. Some of y'all have favorite family restaurants that are like, like you know you're, you're like home there. Went to the barn a few weeks back. And I think it was a special place for the family that we went with. You could tell they loved this place. They've been there. They had lots of memories sat around this table and guess what it felt like? Home. Maybe you have a special plate. Maybe it's not your home, but it's somewhere else. So I invite us to stand together. And I want you to know this morning, maybe, maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you've been questioning this. Maybe today is the day you say yes to Jesus. I need you. I 
I've experienced your generosity, your hospitality, your love that's invited me to the table. But today, Lord, I I want to trust you with my life, that you would become the sustainer of my life through your body, that you would become the, the mediator, the forgiveness in my life for all of my sins through your blood. Lord, today, I I don't want to just be in the room, but I want to respond to the invitation and come to the table for the first time to say, you are my Lord. Maybe for some of us, this is something we do regularly. And we are reminded of what Jesus did for us, but we also participate and then see the world through the lens of Jesus and extend that to others. So he took the body, and if you'll peel that first layer off, you'll find a wafer just behind that. Jesus held his, up the bread, and he broke it and said, this is my body that will be given for you. Take and eat, and that we would be reminded that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. All who come to me will never hunger and thirst again. When we take this, we believe he is sufficient for any and everything we face today. Amen? So we take and eat the life of Jesus that it may be poured in and poured out. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, a new covenant. For a new covenant, there had to be an old covenant, right? And thank God for this one. Where he said, my blood will be shed so that all might come to me and experience forgiveness. You see, the old covenant required them to go out and have specific animals that they would take to the temple to be shed, that they might be forgiven. And Jesus said, I am the perfect lamb that will shed my blood for all that come after me. We are part of that all. And so we take and drink and we experience the forgiveness of his blood and also the power to forgive others. Would you take and drink? Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you for your welcoming spirit that invites us to your table and, and into your kingdom. We that were once strangers and aliens, Lord, to you are now found in you, that we have a new home through your presence and through your spirit. And so, Lord, today, we ask that as we've experienced that, Lord, that you would then empower us through your presence to go and be that for others. Lord, that we would be mediators of a life in Jesus that have experienced the grace of forgiveness that compels us to share that generously with those around us. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to all hearts and minds in this place, perhaps just one name, one family, one area. Lord, where we just need to say, you know what, I need to stop making excuses and invite them into my living space. Lord, would you reveal that to us today? And then, Lord, I pray you don't let up. Lord, I pray that if they are tempted to forget about it, you just keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. up. Until we respond with a yes. So, Lord, now we go, not in our strength, but in yours the one who perfectly taught and demonstrated this presence. So his very last breath.
Lord, go. Strong, courageous, loving, truthful, inviting, hospitable of God. We ask all these things today, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. For God is good. And all the time, God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.